Let's open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. Thank you for being here tonight. And uh, we know we have those that join us online. We have those that want to be here physically, situations or, or schedules. But um, thank you for being here tonight. This evening, the title of the message this evening is Our Change Will Come. Do you know that your change will come? We're looking at a passage of scripture this evening in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're finishing this chapter. This is actually the 36th message that we have brought in this book of Corinthians. We're going to finish it very quick. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 down to the end of the chapter, of course, verse 58. We take up this final prophetic theme in the book of, in this chapter, the resurrection chapter 15. And I cannot tell you the times over the last 30 years that I've stood in a graveyard and I've read the passage that we're going to read and I'm going to read to you this evening. I've read it to brokenhearted families and I read it to them because I wanted to give them hope in the face of death. I wanted those families to know something. I wanted them to know that for the child of God, we don't end in corruption, but we're going to end in incorruption. We're not ending in mortality. We're ending in immortality. Come on, amen? Our change will come. Reading the word of God. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot, you see that, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be, say it with me. Come on, say it again. We shall be, we shall be changed. Our change is coming. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. He said it twice. We shall be changed. Church, our change is going to come. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. For when the corruptible has put on incorruption... And the mortal has put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, that's the place of the departed dead. Oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, and when you see a therefore, you got to say, why is it therefore? It's therefore... Meaning, in light of this, in light of this truth, in light of this reality, that our change will come. Here's what the church needs to be doing. Here's what Trinity Life Church needs to be doing on this hill. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Thank you, Father, for your word. Amen. Thank you for your precious word. Thank you, Lord, that our change will come in Jesus' name. There was actually a song. I'd actually 
had written this sermon today. I didn't start on this sermon until after lunch today. But it's a full, it's a, it's full grown, I can promise you. It ain't a little baby. It's a full grown. You'll see. Well, I was busy today. Four o'clock, got up. Six o'clock here, pray an hour. Nine o'clock at another meeting. After that, dealing with stuff, two or three things. I thought, Lord, I got to write a sermon. It came. And then I thought about this. There's a song that I remember somewhere after I'd written this, and it's called My Change Will Come. James Cleveland. I, I, I almost, we don't have time. I'm, I almost wanted to play the soundtrack. Black Gospel. Hmm. Big Choir. And it goes like this. If I can hold out, if I can keep the faith in God's own time, my change will come. It will come. If, if I can do my best, if I can pass the test in God's own time, my change will come. Hold out just a little while longer. These heavy burdens, and when, he, when this brother got on that, he went somewhere. He, he changed it about 14 times. These heavy burdens, they will soon pass over. Run the race. Keep the faith. My change will come. My change will come. Now, the song's written having to do with trials. You're going through a trial. It looks like a dead end, but God's about to open a door because your change will come. You may be sick, but your change is going to come. You may not have any money. Your change is going to come. You may be discouraged, but your change is coming. But I want to use it in another way. I'm talking about when we get through with this life and the Lord comes. Come on. Our change is coming. It ain't going to be a temporary change. It's going to be an eternal change. God has great things for his church. In fact, everything else is a dead end. But what we're doing in the gospel work is not a dead end. Our change will come. So think about this. Two points. Number one, first of all, this earthly life is corruptible. And we need a change. Can I camp there just a few minutes? This earthly life is corruptible and we need a change. You don't have to be rocket science to look around and to know that this life is corruptible. Look at the efforts that people go to fight corruption. We fight against it. The plastic surgery industry is a billion dollar industry. We have 70 year old grandmamas trying to look 24. Now I don't know about you, my grandmama looked like a grandmama. We got grandmamas today, you don't even know they're grandmamas. But I'm telling you, corruption's still coming because we live in a corruptible world. Look at the gyms. I pass these gyms. Notice I said I pass these gyms. <laughs> I need to go in. <laughs> don't be laughing at me. You need to go in too. Don't, don't be shaming me up here in the church house. People go to gyms. We want to get in shape. That's a great thing. But you know what else they're doing? They're fighting this corruption. They're fighting this this corruption. Verse 53 said, this corruption. Look at verse 53. This corruption. He's talking about what happens to us. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. I don't want it. But I'm telling you, this world is corruptible. Hospitals, 
care facilities testify to the fact that this earthly life is corruptible. Corruptible meaning earthly. They age, we deteriorate, we die, we decay, we decompose. Every single person, no matter who they are, if, if they live out their earthly life and Jesus doesn't come, they are going to be corruptible. We're going to corruption. The change, the need of a change, is because this, this mortal life, listen to me, cannot be repaired it can't be patched up. Death and decay are woven into the human existence. Why? Why, why are, do we have a life of corruption? Why do we need this change? Because many, many years ago, the first, our first ancestors, God told them to do something. God was clear. How I many you know God is clear? Genesis 2 says this, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. What a blessing to have life. What a blessing to have a life that we can serve God. I want to serve him. How about you? Nobody ever forced me to serve God. Nobody's going to shame me into having to guilt me into serving God. I want to serve him. You and I know good and well. I could do, you could, you and I could do any, I could be at a bar tonight and nobody could say anything about it. I have free will. I want to be in the church house. I want to be worshiping him. I want to be proclaiming him. I want to be praising him. There's nowhere else I'd rather be than here. God gave them this life and God said, you can do anything with it. He said, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed and out of the garden, the Lord God made every tree to grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life, listen, the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Here's, here's the way human beings are, and I don't understand it and nor do you. What, what is it in humanity? What is it in the human condition that God can plant all these multiplicity of trees, but yet it's the tree of the knowledge and good and evil that we tamper with. How is it that a man and a woman can be married, but yet a man wants 20 other women? What is it about that in the human condition that we are tempted with that? And by the way, they were tempted in their perfect state. The word of God reads on. Verse 15, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, listen, you shall not eat. You shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall, you shall surely die. Literally meaning in the day that you eat of dying, you shall surely die. And you know as well as I, you know what happened? This is why there's corruption today, because I won't read, they did partake, they did yield, and it plunged the human race, it put decay, and it put death inside the human condition. Here's what happens. The child of God now, lost but now saved, lost in sin, but yet now calling upon the Lord, saved, the child of God indwelt by the Holy Spirit, listen, has tasted of the powers of the world to come in salvation. 
and have entered into the first part of this change. Remember, our change shall come. Come on, amen. We have this initial change in salvation. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. How many of you have the Holy Spirit in you? If you're a Christian, you do. If you're a Christian, you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You have the Spirit of Christ in you. You have a new heart. The Spirit of God lives in you. But listen, the Spirit of God lives in an old body. The Spirit of God's perfect, powerful, awesome. Now think about this, a little aside here. What privileges do we have? The apostles, he said, he's with you, but he shall be in you. You say, I want to live during the days of whoever, Elijah. Not me, buddy. I don't want him just with me. I need him in me. I can't, run, I can't run my own life right. I need help. I need somebody in me. I need Christ in me, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. We need him in us. The Spirit of God's in us. But the Spirit of the Lord has indwelt corruptible bodies. That's why you struggle. That's why we're temptable. And what it is, we long for something better. We long for something beyond this corruption. We long for deliverance from earthly barriers, from human limitations. We long for something. Paul expressed it this way. Romans 7, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm soul, I'm carnal, sold under sin. For what, I long, for what I'm doing, I don't understand. There's a part of my life that I, that's out of control. This, this corruptible part, sometimes I do things that I don't understand, he's saying. For what I will to do, I do not practice. But what I hate, that's what I find myself doing. If then I do what I do not, if I I do what I will not to do, I agree that the law, it is good. But now it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good I will to do, I do not do it, but the evil that I will not to do, I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I do it, but it's what? Sin that dwells in me. 21. I find the law that, is, that, that evil is present with me. The one who wills to do good. I want to do good. I want to live for God. I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Notice, but I see another law in my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Hear it? The law of sin that is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall, look at it, who shall deliver me from this body of death, from this corruptible body, this body that we go to the gym and we fight the corruption, this body that we, we, we get plastic surgery because it doesn't look like it used to look. How, who's going to deliver me from this? I thank God through Jesus Christ. Come on, say his name. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then... With the mind, I serve the law of God, with the, with, but with the flesh, the law of sin. What's he saying? This earthly life is corruptible, and we desperately need a change. Number two, simple. The gospel promises a change. Now listen, the promise of salvation embraces not only the spirit and the soul, but it also the body and ultimately all creation, everything. 
comes under the redeeming hand of God, the restoring hand of God. This is the groaning, creation's groaning. We're groaning for something more. We're being pulled down every day by this corruption. Paul said it this way, the outward man is perishing. You say, oh, not me. Let me tell you something. You can think not you. There's people in nursing homes that once could work 14, 15 hours. They could lift heavy. They could dig. They could do this and that. They can barely walk with a walker now. Why? Corruption is pulling us down, down, down. All because of sin in the human condition. Are you hearing me? This promise of salvation is not just the, the, the soul. It's not just the inner man. It's not just the soul and the spirit and, and, and the body, but also it's going to embrace all of creation. Paul said it this way, for I consider that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself, listen, the creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption to the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Not only that, but we who are, have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption the redemption of the body, our change will come. Our world will not always be like it is. The promise of the gospel is that a change is coming. And we're going to be a part of that change. Now let me outline this for you quickly. Give me 10 more minutes and I'm done. Now think about this. The gospel promises a change. Said it twice. We shall be changed. In the we shall be changed. Let me outline it for you. First of all, what's the mission? What's the mission of the change? Why do we need the change? Look, notice this again. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The purpose of God's mission in the change, in the transforming of our bodies, is this. What God has for you and I, in eternity, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now, to me, the inference is, somehow, the life is in the blood, and the sinful life, somehow, I don't understand it, I feel like that our resurrected bodies will be energized by the Spirit of God, not the blood, not human blood. Flesh and blood, like we are right now, we could never enter the kingdom of God like this. We could never enter the glories of heaven in these earthly, fleshly bodies. So God has a mission. The change is mandated because we cannot enter the kingdom of God in these bodies. We need a different body. We need a glorified body to live eternity in the presence of God. We need a glorified body to overcome the tragic results of sin in all levels of the human personality. So what will the resurrected body be, quickly? The resurrection body will be a body with structural similarities to the body of this life, so it will be recognizable. 
We're going to know as we're known. It'll be very similar to this body in its structure. So we'll be known. Then it'll be a body changed from an earthly into a heavenly body adapted for life in the new heaven and the new earth. New body. It's going to be an immortal body, permanent, indestructible, free from decay and free from death. No more funerals. Never again will I have to stand on a cold graveyard and comfort people in all of life. I was at a, 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 a car place back a month or so ago, a few weeks ago. And I was there talking to a salesman and, I, and somebody else said, I heard, Brother Joe. And it was a gentleman that I had performed or had ministered at the funeral of his little grandbaby. His, his son and daughter-in-law had twins and one of the little twins didn't make it. And they had asked me, Brother Joe, would you, would you minister at the service for us? Little, little teeny tiny, little teeny tiny, little baby in a little bitty casket. Very hard. But there's coming a day, no more decay, no more death, no more sorrow. Come on, our change is going to come. This body will be glorified. It will be miraculously transformed like the body of Jesus Christ in his resurrection. It'll be a powerful body, not subject to disease or weakness. We, don't have, we won't need the gifts of healing on that day. We won't have sinus issues and flu issues and flu shots and all of this. Why? This glorified body will not be subject to those things. It will be a spiritual body. It will not be natural. It will be supernatural. It will not be bound by the laws of nature. Jesus just showed up through the wall. I, I, I just suspect that we will have, we, we, will, we will break out of these earthly limitations. It'll be a body capable of eating and drinking like Jesus did. But it will be different and it will be eternal and we can serve God when our change comes forever. So we have the mission of this change is because we flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. And then in this change, there's a mystery. Look what it says. I show you a mystery. So in this teaching of the change, there's a mystery here. And the mystery is not like a Nancy Drew or Hardy Boys or, you know, whatever. They still read those. I don't know. I read all those as a kid. Not the Nancy Drew, the other, you know, the Hardy Boys. Yeah. My sister had the other. But, uh, uh. A mystery, when the Bible uses the word mystery, it doesn't mean like mysterious. It just simply means this. Something that was, was veiled and hidden to Old Testament saints, but now in the New Testament, it has been revealed to us. So think about this. In the Old Testament, the believers were very limited on what would happen in eternity. They were very limited on what would happen after death. We don't have all the information, but we have a greater insight to know this, that to be absent from the bodies and be present with the Lord, but we got more than that. We got the teaching of this change. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to our bodies? We're going to be changed. I'm going to get a better body, a new body, a supernatural body, an eternal body that's not subject to decay. So this is a great mystery, and what a privilege it is. And then in this teaching, we have the moment of the change. Look at this. It says in the text, in the moment, 
in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It's, it's trying to, it's trying to, it's not saying get a time clock and see how fast it is. The Holy Spirit is trying to communicate to us the, the, the fastest moment of time. The quick, it, it will be so quick, this change will take place. In other words, this event is going to be a sudden event. It's going to happen suddenly. There's going to be no time to think, oh, I should have been faithful. No time to, to do more in your Christian life. Whatever is done at that moment in the Christian, this is for Christians we're talking about. In that moment, whatever is going to be done, you'll take that to stand before the Lord with. Isn't that, that's a pretty good motivation to know that I ought to be doing the right thing and the Lord's will and I ought to be serving with all my heart right now, every moment. Because the mo- in a moment, the change is going to come. Tweak them and I. Paul said it this way. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, be to be well-pleasing to him. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is Christians. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether, say it, or, do you know Christians can do bad? I've seen Christians do wicked things. Christians will gossip. Christians can divide churches. Christians can get lukewarm and hinder others. And all of that stuff is stuff we need to think about because we're going to stand before Jesus Christ one day. And we're going to give an account. So in that moment, I want, I want to be climbing for him. It's like that little placard they found in the Alps on a hiking trail. Someone apparently had died during the hike and they had a little grave marker and it simply said he died climbing. I want to die climbing. I want to die reaching. The, the, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent. The violent take it by force. Paul said, I press toward the mark. Paul said, I'm not there, but I want more. And he said, I, what does he want? I want to attain the resurrection. I want to attain, attain to that change. So there's a moment of that change. But notice this. Look at the master of this change. Who's the master of this change? It's none other than Jesus Christ who is mighty to save. Come on. Now we have a parallel passage of this teaching. Philippians 3, 20, 21. Look on the screen. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working of him. Now here it is. I'm going to emphasize by which he is able, come on, by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. We have a master of the change. We have someone that's going to take these fleshly bodies and some of them are scattered to the sea. Some of them are dust. Some of them are, are decayed. He's the, he's the all-powerful master that's going to gather it all back together. Just like he created Adam, he's going to create it all again for every child of God. you got a master who can change you and make you what you need to be for all of eternity. He stood at Lazarus' tomb. And they said, you're too late. And he said in verse 25 of chapter 11, don't you know I'm the resurrection and the life? I am the resurrection of the life. I am the master of the change. I'm the one that can bring life out of death. And he called him forth. 
and literally in his own resurrection. He's declared to be the son of God for the, with power according to the resurrection of the dead. And he's going to deliver us from the grave. He's Lord over death. He said this, when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, O death, where is... Uh, oh, uh, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, Hades, Hades where's your victory? He's saying he's taunting death. The word of God taunts death. Death has no power over us. Death should not make us afraid. All it is is a portal we're going to go through into the presence of the Lord. Our change is coming. Our change is coming. Now, we're going to conclude quickly. What is the message of the change? Here's the message of this change. It's verse 57. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The message of this change is simply this. This change is going to bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to show him as the great victor of the church. And that his plan that of redemption, it will succeed when we stand there in his presence with brand new bodies, not sick anymore, strong, going to live forever, never to die again. It's going to bring glory. And the Lord says, see, I told you it was going to work. I told you if you just follow me, I was going to lead you out and your change is going to come. It's going to come in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. It's going to come. It's going to bring glory. The message is the glory of Jesus Christ. The message is he is the Savior from sin, death, disease, decay. 2, Corinthians, 2, 2 Thessalonians 1.10. When he comes in that day, notice, to be glorified in his saints. That's the message. To be glorified and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Hallelujah. Last, last thought. Here's the mandate of the change. The mandate in the change. Got to get this. What do we do with all this? Do we just go home and say, oh, man, that was, that was, that was good. We're going to be changed one day. Thank God I won't have to take Geritol and, you know, rub Ben Gay and all this on me. No, no. Here's the mandate. Verse 58. I've read it. I'll read it again. Therefore, my beloved brethren... Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Because of the resurrection from the dead, what we do for Christ will last beyond our lifetime. Your labor is not in vain. There are people that have spent multiplied millions of dollars that when they're dead, it's going to be gone. It's, it's, it's an empty, empty, emptiness. Nothing but pleasure, carnality, sensuality. But I'm telling you, every dime we spend on this property, it's going to meet us in eternity. Every one of you that have prayed and have stayed faithful to God, the Lord is going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Why? It's not in vain. What we do on this property is not in vain. So that means this. Therefore, do not stop preaching. Do not stop proclaiming the gospel. Do not stop winning souls. Do not stop praying. Do not stop believing. Do not stop trusting in the Holy Spirit. Take your stand in the gospel. Let nothing move you. When you've done all to stand, stand therefore. Because our change is coming. You can be bold in your God because our change is coming. We need to get fired up even more than we are. We need to pray more than we are. Why? It's not in vain. What we're doing matters. And it matters for all of eternity. I'll conclude with this. We often hear 
that we can have our best life now. This is false. Nowhere does the Bible says our, this is our best life now. The text that I preached to you this evening, our best life is beyond the grave. Our best life is beyond the reach of sin, sorrow, Satan, disease, death, and decay. I would rather go with Paul. And he says this, our last verse. Here's what he says. For our light affliction is which is but for a moment. Is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen, they are eternal. Our change will come. It means we've got to get busy. I want you to stand. Pray with me. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just pray a little bit here. Let the Holy Spirit apply this to your spirit. Let him let it apply this to your life. Father, thank you today. We love you, Jesus. Our change is going to come. Lord, our change is going to come. Let our, let our hearts be ready, Lord, on that day when our change comes. Oh, a change is going to come. That child of God that feels sick, feels weak, Lord, their change is coming. And we know it can come now in, in, in earnest payments. You do heal the sick. But Lord, all that's temporary at best. But Lord, our permanent change is coming. Oh God, our, therefore my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor's not in vain in the Lord. Oh God, get us busy. Get us busy winning souls. Get us busy building this church. Get us busy, Lord. We're building a church that we believe you're going to fill up. We're building a church where you can teach the gospel and preach the gospel, a place of prayer, a place where children can grow up and know Jesus, a place of worship, a place of Holy Ghost anointing, a place of miracles, signs, and wonders, a place of encouragement for believers, a place of comfort and strength. We worship your name, Lord. Come on, lift your hands and just bless him. Bless the master of the change. Bless the one that gets all the glory and the honor. He's going to come. You're going to hear the trumpet, the, the, the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ will rise. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up with the Lord to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we always be with the Lord. Thank you, Father. We bless your glorious name. We worship your glorious name. We honor you, Father. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for your good mercy. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Oh, Lord, we love you today. Just take a few moments here to just honor the Lord. If we want to sing something, we can just for a moment here. Let's worship him. Just let this message and teaching settle in upon your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Christ the King, your name.
that you help us to be consistently, constantly aware that we're living on the edge of eternity. Let it be a motivation to us that our change will come. We long for that great day to be fully in your presence. Though we're always in your presence because your Holy Spirit is with us, but we're going to realize the fullness of your presence in, in eternity. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. We bless your glorious name. Thank you, Jesus. Tomorrow morning, we're going to be back in this place of worship. And we're going to be laboring, laboring in prayer. Prayer is a work, prayer is a labor. Jesus said, I pray that men would always pray and not give up. Prayer's great work. Prayer's man's work and, and mature work. But it is the greatest need of the church. A church that doesn't have a prayer meeting is not a church, according to New Testament definition. And there are churches that don't have prayer meetings. So we'll be here at 6 o'clock. If you're able, if you're in proximity where you're able to do that, to be here with us, we've had, a, I thought, a good turnout and love to have a good turnout the next couple of days here as we come. And it's, it's really not, uh, it's not, um, it's, it's a time we come together and get it started and we take about 45 minutes, music is playing and we're just praying on our own and, and then I, we come back about the last 15 minutes and we engage prayer together and there's been a beautiful sense of the presence of the Lord here but we need to learn to be a praying church even more and I, I pray that a spirit of prayer would grip our hearts and uh, so Father we thank you for our believers gathering tonight thank you that we gather together and, and I believe that pleases you very much because, where, because you come among us. 
How pleased are you when you come among us, Lord? You want to be here and you want us to be here. Father, in the precious name of your son, Jesus, I pray that you would pour a spirit of prayer upon this body. Lord, that you would pour your Holy Spirit, that we would have a spirit of intercession. Lord, in that intercession would birth all of that you want to do in your kingdom among us. We pray, God, that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done. I pray that you would bless the next two mornings of prayer with your blessing upon it, Lord. Lord, we need you in what you have called us to. Lord, we cannot do this on our own. We need your help. Send us help from above. Send others to help us shoulder this work. Continue to keep us unified. And Lord, thank you. Bless us. Bless our prayer. Bless our upcoming Sunday. Be with us as we, we look at what the architect will send us. And we envision more deeply what you want us to do. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now, church, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In Jesus' name, God bless you.